Welcome to Smart Poker Study, the podcast dedicated to helping you earn more money, study more effectively, and be 1% better every day. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi. In the last strategy episode number 243, I discussed strategies for hunting more profits with bread and butter poker. It's poker study time, y'all. So thank you very much for sharing the show. Well, of course, first, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thanks for subscribing in your favorite podcatcher or possibly on YouTube if that's how you listen to these. And thanks for sharing the show with a friend. And some more thanks goes out to AJ Conyers and Vincent DeVito. They are my newest Patreon insiders. They went to patreon.com slash smart poker study. They chose the level of support that they want to give to me and this podcast to help me keep on keeping on. They selected that donate button and they started their donation. So thank you very much, AJ and Vincent. I really do appreciate that support. And later on this week, the July podcast for everybody who uh, supports at the $5 level and the training video for $10 supporters is going to come out. So be on the lookout for those. Once again, patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy to start your support and to get access to the archive of patron-only content. Alrighty, welcome to the first episode in the month of microstakes. So today, I'm going to discuss the general idea of aggression in the microstakes, and I'll give you good ways to employ aggression and some poor ways to employ aggression. But first, the challenge. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. As you play each session this week, have a tick sheet in front of you with the words value and bluff written on it. Every time you bet or raise for value, make a tick next to the word value. If you're doing it as a bluff, make a tick next to bluff. Count them up and track them for the entire week. Your goal is to see how often you're bluffing versus value betting. And there isn't an optimal like value to bluff ratio here. But tracking this will force you to consider why you're making every single bet and every raise pre and post flop. And this extra focus, it's going to lead to better aggressive decisions. Now it's your turn to take action and do something positive for your poker game. Oh, that's it now. Get out there somebody well if you stop the podcast right now and just complete that challenge you will have done your purposeful study and practice for the next three days or maybe for the rest of the week but for those who want to learn more about microstakes aggression please stick around and of course visit the show notes page for everything i discussed today along with screenshots and links at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod two forty. Five. And once you go there, you can see a plethora of ways that you can support the podcast while at the same time helping you improve your poker game. Okay, let's do this. Gambate. And now for our feature presentation. Aggression in poker means that you're making bets or raises. You are taking the lead or the initiative in the hand when you do that uh, bet or raise and you're telling your opponents, hey, I've got a good hand right here, so you better watch out. Now, the opposite of aggression is passivity. Passive plays are basically checking and calling. And when you play passively, that's like telling your opponents, I do not like my hand enough to actually put money in the pot unless you force me to in order to see the next street or in order to see showdown. Now, the real benefit of aggression is the fold equity that it gives you. 
Betting and raising allows you to win pots without the best hand at showdown. If you just play it passively and you make calls, well, you're relying on hitting your hand on the next street or having the best hand at showdown. But when you bet and they fold, it doesn't matter what hand you hold, right? It only matters that your opponent was not willing to put chips into the pot to look you up. Another great aspect of aggression is that it allows you to earn more value from your strongest hand. And here's just an obvious example. If you just call with the nut flush on the river, not that anyone would do that, but if you did, you are not earning as much money as if you would have made a raise instead. Many microstakes players, they don't use aggression until they've got a great hand. They only raise preflop with pocket queens or better and ace-king, only three bet with those as well. Or post-flop, maybe they only bet with top pair and they only raise with two pair or better. This is because they're probably like overly value-oriented and they think that microstakes players just can't fold their hands, so they don't want to bluff. They only value bet. Now, that might be true for some of your opponents, but every player is different. So the level of aggression that you employ, uh, is it should be dependent upon the player that you're up against. On the flip side of this microstakes aggression coin, with so little real-world dollars at stake, some players overuse aggression. If you think about it, a full buy-in at 5NL, it's only $5. Sure, that is 100 big blinds, but in real-world money, that's like one venti Starbucks coffee, right? So some people just don't mind spewing chips when it's just a cup of coffee on the line. But of course, you are a good poker player, even though you're at the micro stakes, you're still a good player. So you want to make the best use of your 100 big blinds at every table that you play. That means you can't just willy nilly throw chips at pots, uh, throwing, you know, aggressively at pots and expect to be a winning poker player. There must be a bit of caution shown with aggression because of the chips that you're putting at risk. And the more aggressive the bet, the more chips are at risk. And we can look at a simple progression of bets in a micro stakes game, right? Let's say you're playing 10 NL this time. The small blind is 5 cents. The big blind is 10 cents, right? So you have 10 cents on the line. 100 big blind stacks is a $10 stack. So a standard two bet open raise is often to three big blinds or 30 cents. Now, a standard three bet over that two bet is nine big blinds, or about 90 cents. This is almost 10% of your full starting stack. Now, if somebody comes over the top with a four bet, that's often to about 25 big blinds or so, or $2.50. Now, this is a quarter of your 100 big blind starting stack, and that's put in before a flop even hits the board. Now, beyond this, of course, those five bets are just shoves at this point over that 25 big blind four bet. So you're committing your full stack of $10 or 100 big blinds with a five bet at 10 NL. So as you can see, as the raises progress, bet sizing does as well and exponentially so until somebody says screw it and they just shove the rest of the chips in. If you open the pot and then fold, that's only three big blinds down the drain. If you three bet then fold, you're losing nine big blinds. That's not optimal, but it's not so bad either. But a four bet then fold, it's pretty darn costly. And a five bet, uh, oftentimes it just commits your entire stack, right? Now, it's not the end of the world should you get aggressive at the wrong time or versus the wrong opponent and four bet then fold, or maybe you lose your entire five bet shove. It's just a small part of your overall bankroll after all, and poker is a long-term game. So wins and losses in the short term, they shouldn't affect you that much. But even though I said they shouldn't affect you, we all know that it very well can affect you. 
We've all gone on tilt after 4-bet bluffing and then folding to a shove, or having our pocket queens beaten by pocket aces after we 5-bet shoved pre-flop, right? And that super aggressive 4-better, hey, he woke up with aces, so of course he called, you know? But let's face it, it sucks when our bluffs get snapped off, or we get it in with a hand worse than our opponent. This is the real insidious aspect of aggression that we often overlook and don't think about. Not only does unthinking, illogical, or mistimed aggression hurt our stacks, it can also send us on tilt and cause even more harm. It's like a running back. Uh, he takes a handoff and, you know, he's pursuing a more aggressive route directly up the field instead of around, you know, instead of the line that he should have taken. Maybe he didn't see the tight end and then blammo, he gets slammed and his helmet goes flying off. Now he's got a concussion and he's taken out of the game. If only he'd followed the route he was intended to take, he may have been tackled. He might have even lost some yardage. But it's more likely that he would not have been knocked completely out of the game. So by being more selective and logical with your aggression, you minimize losing those valuable chips. You also stay in better control of your game, and hopefully you suffer from tilt a little bit less often. Alright, so let's dive into some ways that we can smartly use aggressive plays, both pre-flop and post-flop. So the first two are for pre-flop. Number one, we can have smart and reasoned open raising ranges. So when we use ranges as we play, we take our off-the-felt study and the work that we do, uh, and we bring it to our on-the-felt game. We don't have to think about, like, is this hand good enough to play from the cutoff? No, because it's in the range, we've already done the work, so we know it's good enough to play. Now we can think about other important considerations, like the opponents yet to act, maybe the stack sizes involved, the tournament conditions, or what we'll do versus a potential 3-bet. The second bit of pre-flop aggression that we should use is that we can make more 3-bet bluffs in position. So if ace-5 suited, or maybe 7-6 suited, maybe one of those are a hand that you like to 3-bet with. You can do this from out of position in the blinds, or you can choose to make your 3-bet bluffs in position in the cutoff or the button. That's totally up to you, right? If you look at your opponent's 2-bet and then fold a 3-bet stat, it's probably higher when they are out of position versus that in-position player. And this is because many players instinctively hate playing out of position post-flop, and especially in those bigger 3-bet pots. It takes a super donk or a super fish to call regardless of position. So in general, 3-bet bluffs work very well when you're doing them from in position. And if you're called, you've got that post-flop position to help you find another way to take the pot down if you don't hit a value hand. Or, of course, because you're in position, it's easier to get value or even to pot control some of those showdown-worthy hands. Alright, let's talk about three post-flop forms of aggression that you can employ. Number one, we can make the most of our c-bet bluffs by doing them in position. So just like folding to three bets pre-flop, most players fold much more to c-bets when they are out of position. When you c-bet from out of position, you face many more raises and calls because players know that once you check the next street, they have an easy bluff opportunity. So if you c-bet less frequently from out of position, you're making poker a little bit easier on yourself. Save those out of position c-bets for value hands and your best draws like flush draws, nut open-ended straight draws, and combo draws. The second post-flop aggression we can do is that we can raise for value when we're well ahead of their range and they can call with worse. 
Now many players, they just call with their top pair hands and they only raise with two pair or better, sometimes just top two pair or better. But if you know your opponent can call with worse than top pair versus your raise, go ahead and make it. Your value hand needs to be ahead of their calling range. That's all you need to concern yourself with when you're going for value. And you know tons of players who see bet bluff and then call raises with their draws and even with ace high hands, right? So when you're up against one of them, raise to get value from them. If you only ever raise with two pair or better, you're making it pretty easy for the opponent to read you and, you know, they can see bet 100% of hands and simply fold to all of your raises, right? But when you throw in top pair hands and even some draws into your raising ranges, it makes you tougher to read. Now, the third post-flop aggression that we can um, employ is to bet when checked to. And this is another one of those benefits of playing in position. When your opponent shows weakness by checking to you on the flop, and maybe they've checked twice on the flop and the turn, that is a perfect opportunity to come out with a bet, especially if that turn card didn't really help. It didn't really connect with the board at all, and you expect it to not help your opponent. Sometimes when that turn card is a scare card, like an overcard ace or a king, bam, a great time to throw out that bluff bet. They showed weakness. You should take advantage of it more often. And just after the break, I'll hit you with ways you can poorly use microstakes aggression. A few shout outs today. Good fella purchased Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. He simply went to smartpokerstudy.com slash poker tracker 4. By going there, um, it's automatically, you know, it connects to my account. So it's like an affiliate link right there. And you can read up everything that Poker Tracker 4 has to offer, purchase the version of it that you want. And in doing so, doesn't add any money to your. Uh, to the fee or to the amount that you pay but it does give a little kickback to me so it helps support the show so thank you very much good fella for that support and of course because good fella made that per purchase i sent them a copy of my smart hud for poker tracker 4 and charles bryant purchased that smart hud directly he already had poker tracker 4 all he was missing was the best hud in the business so he went to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart hud found out everything that the smart hud uh has to offer him and he made the purchase thank you very much charles and one final set of uh, shout-outs here for people who purchased uh, for my summer 30% off webinar sale. Poker's Bread and Butter was purchased by Jerry. Expert hand-reading, Robert and Gaston Gomez got that one. Getting the most from Poker Tracker 4. I really like this webinar. That was bought by Chester McNaughton, Tommy, and Gaston Gomez again. Double purchase right there. Thanks, Gaston. Poker Mathematics was picked up by John Collins and Jerry. How to Study Poker webinar was picked up by Chris Kuriger, Jerry, who picked up three during this sale, and then Patrick Kevini as well bought that one. Thank you very much all for that summer sale support. I appreciate it. Alrighty, back to class, poker people. So let's talk about poor ways to use aggression in the micro stakes. I have four when it comes to preflop and four more post-flop. First, number one for preflop, do not treat the EP as an opportunity to steal. Normally, open raises earn you chips on average, but the more often you open raise, the more three bets you're going to face and the more callers as well. The wider your open raising range is from the EP and actually all the way up through the MP, you're just 
um, allowing your opponents to three bet you and to call you from in position more often. So stay, stay tight from under the gun through the MP and only open up your ranges starting in the cutoff. Number two, do not three bet bluff out of position versus a non-folder. So you always want to look at the player's two bet and then fold a three bet stat before you bluff three bet. You want to target your three bet bluffs versus players who can fold. So you're looking for 60% or greater fold to three bet. If it's way below this, and of course, the closer to zero it is, the more dangerous, you should really know that they are not folding. Remember my saying, if they ain't folding, we ain't bluffing. The third bit of preflop aggression you should not do is do not 3-bet or 4-bet just because. Now, there are times, and I know I'm guilty of it, when I 3-bet or 4-bet just because I think I need to show aggression in a certain spot. So maybe I'm thinking something like, he's 3-betting me again? That does it. Let's see how he likes my 4-bet with pocket deuces. Well, that's not a good idea. You don't 4-bet just to 4-bet, right? You should bet or raise because there are indications that tell you your opponent will react how you want them to, not just because your ego tells you to. And the fourth bit of preflop aggression, do not open the pot for a steal with any two cards. So of course you're stealing in the cutoff and the button and in, or so the small blind as well when it's folded around to you. So in today's micro stakes games, players defend their blinds a crazy amount. Plus they hate folding to C-bets even when they're out of position. So if you choose to make the cutoff steal with 7-4 suited versus a non-folding blind, you're just asking to see a flop with a crap hand versus a player who is hard to bluff. Save the chips, save your patience, and save your attention for better situations. Now some post-flop aggression. Number one, do not C-bet just to C-bet. So this goes to that earlier idea of doing something just because. Have a reason for your C-bet. Don't just make them 100% of the time. Now, this is pretty easy for your opponents to take advantage of if you do it 100% of the time, and they can just bluff raise you or just call you down the streets with some kind of showdown-worthy second pair hand and crack your ace-high bluffing hands. Now, the second bit of post-flop aggression, do not bet lightly into multi-way pots. So the more players in the pot, the more likely somebody hit a piece of it. Think about how the flop hits the ranges that they have, and the more connected or the more wet the board is, the more dangerous the situation. Plus, those multi-way pots, they're often just bigger, making it more costly for bets and raises as bluffs in the pot. Number three, do not check-raise the flop without a plan for the turn. So, you looked at the pop-up, and you saw that they fold to check-raises maybe 75% of the time. Great, go ahead and make it. But before you do, consider how you'll approach the turn if they decide to call. Also, plan how you'll respond to a re-raise. That's a post-flop 3-bet, right? You check, they bet, you raise. That's a 2-bet, they re-raise 3-bet. That's committing a ton of chips to the pot, so it's very likely they like their hand. Now, here's another old adage for you from somebody else. If you're surprised by how your opponent responds, then you didn't give the situation enough thought. So before you check-raise, plan for their reaction. And the fourth bit of post-flop aggression, do not double or triple barrel without considering your opponent's range. So you think about the situation. You threw out the flop bet, and that's fine for whatever reason, but they end up calling you. So what hand calls the size of bet that you made on that flop board? Now the turn comes and you double barrel and they called again. So what hands can call the flop and the turn on this particular board against your chosen bet sizing? 
You have to have an idea of the hands that they've continued with from prior streets. Do they call with draws, maybe pairs only, or other types of hands? The more you reason through their continuance range, the better plays you'll make on future streets. The Lord works in mysterious ways, don't I? A good day. Bye, me. Bye, Ukiyo. This episode isn't complete until you head to the show notes page at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod245. You can go there for screenshots and links to everything discussed today and to discover ways in which you can support the podcast and keep me keeping on. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or leave a glowing five-star review on your favorite podcatching app. The next episode is going to be my MicroStakes Q&A episode. So I'm looking for those questions about the MicroStakes. Just send me an email, sky at smartpokerstudy.com with any MicroStakes related question that you've got. Word of mouth is the best advertising. So thank you very much for sharing this show with other poker people. Your sharing and caring is what helps us grow. Until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet.